Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. For message notes and links to big things going on at Hope, check out the notes section below. When you're done listening to this episode, take a minute to follow us here, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content, additional resources, and more. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. What's going on, Hope? So glad to be with you this weekend, whether you're at one of our physical campuses or joining one of us online, listening to our podcast. You know, you hear a story like that and you, you wish that we could pretend like that is um, an outlier, right? But the reality is, for so many of us, I mean, that's been the story of our marriage at some point, uh, if you're married. And, uh, and we're in this series right now that we're calling Made for More. And the whole idea of the series is we're going to take head on these different areas in our life where we know we are living less than what it is that God has for us. And man, marriage is one of those areas. And so, uh, in fact, I would tell you this, uh, we're going to address it this week as a church. But as a church, our, our mission is to love people where they are and then to encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. But we know that where the majority of people are in life is going through some difficult times in their families. And so one of the ways that we live out that mission is we have said we will, we must build families that thrive. And we know that one of the primary ways to do that is by focusing on our marriages. So uh, I want you to know about five years ago, we started a marriage ministry here at Hope Community Church uh, that was led, that is led by the man that you were going to be hearing from in the rest of the time here. Uh, Mr. Dave Lanuti. Dave's been on staff here at Hope for almost 10 years. Uh, I actually hired him here personally about nine and a half years ago as a small groups pastor. He's been a campus pastor out for the Holly Springs campus, which moved over to Apex. And then he launched this marriage ministry about five years. And in five years, their primary class re-engage, which you've ne- if you've never gone through re-engage and you are married, you need to go through this. But over 20, right at 2,500 men and women have gone through this thing over the last five years. And it has changed marriages for the better. So you need to look into that. But uh, we're going to bring Dave out here in just a moment. But I want you to know one last thing. Uh, a few of us were sitting around this week uh, just kind of talking through Dave's message and kind of just listening to him pitch it to us. Aaron Nelson, who most of you know if you're uh, a regular f- uh, folk around here at Hope, Aaron said, Dave, i got to tell you, I've been married for two years. And uh, I am so thankful that this message is going to be shared with the people of Hope Community Church. And I said, well, Dave, I've been married for 20 years, and I'm so thankful that this message is going to be shared with the people of Hope Community Church. So regardless of where you are uh, in your marriage, if you're looking to be married one day, uh, I know there's some stuff in here for all of us. And so if you would, would you give a strong hope welcome to not only our marriage pastor, but my friend, Dave Lanuti. Everybody. Look, Jason, I got something for you. Oh, my, uh, this is, this is great. I, I don't know if we have one in Schmedium. I know you like to show off your, your guns a little bit, but I figured you, we'll you could use it. a new we'll t-shirt. <laughs> have a blast. Awesome. Well, hey, my name is Dave. Thanks, Jason, for that intro. Uh, my wife, Cindy, and I, we have been married for 20 years. And it really doesn't take that long in marriage to recognize for us that we are very different. And my guess is if you're married here today, you are really different from your spouse as well. Let me give you a few examples. Can we, can we talk about Chick-fil-A for a moment? Let's talk about Chick-fil-A. Uh, listen, when I go to Chick-fil-A, I order the number one, the number one uh, combo, okay? It is the Chick-fil-A sandwich 
with extra pickles and waffle fries and a Coke Zero, you know, the, the way the Lord intended his chicken to be enjoyed. Now, my wife, she's different. She, she's different. I love her, but you know what she thinks about the Chick-fil-A sandwich? She, she says it's overrated. I, I know, I know, I know this is church you should pray for. You know, what, you know what she orders when she goes to Chick-fil-A? She gets this like cold chicken burrito thing that they leave in the fridge and they take out. I think it's the, the grilled chicken cool wrap. Anybody here like that thing? Is anyone on Team Cindy? Just let me know. Anybody? A, a few of you don't, don't encourage Cindy. Listen, your combo, by the way, is number eight on the menu. That means there are seven better options than yours. All right, so you guys are wrong. I'm sorry. Well, let's move on. Can we talk about cupboards uh, and dresser drawers? Because Cindy and I differ when it comes to this. It's pretty important. Uh, see, Cindy believes that dresser drawers need to be closed all the way. Uh, and, and I've tried to explain to her several times that it's not a matter of sin. It's not morally wrong that I close the dresser drawer most of the way. And when I put away the dishes, it's not a sin that, you know, I, I close most of the cupboards. But we agree to disagree on that one. And then finally, we differ when it comes to this. This is kind of a big one. When we have a free night at home without the kids. And maybe they have sleepover parties and we, we, uh, you have, we get to do any activity that we want. And now normally we agree on the activities that we are going to enjoy, but we definitely differ on the order of operations for this night, if you know what I'm saying. So Cindy, she is much more classy than I am. And her, her list of preferred order of operations of these activities reflects that. So she might want to begin with an adult beverage and uh, maybe we go for a walk or maybe we just like, I don't know, read a book for a few hours and then kind of leave our options open and see where the night might lead us. Now, I, on the other hand, I'm less classy than my wife, okay? And so I, I just want you to know, like if this night is heading anywhere where I think it might be heading, I'm okay with just going ahead and getting there as soon as possible, you know? like. If there is a chance that we might be playing board games later, um, I just want to play those board games. And if you're confused, yes, board games is a euphemism. Listen, my children are here. My, my uh, teenage kids are watching this. And I'm pretty sure my son might have just thrown up in his mouth hearing about this. But <laughs> anyway, the point is this. We are different. And that's a beautiful thing. But at times, it can be really frustrating. At times, I think it would be way more convenient if, if Cindy were made less in God's image and she were made more in my image. That would be great uh, because my priorities, my ideas, my ways, my expectations, they don't always align with hers. And the problem is that I think my ways are right. And here's what happens. If I can go a period of time without my expectations being met, then I get kind of grumpy. I get kind of frustrated. And then I can tend to uh, uh, respond in a way that lacks the love and caring support that my wife deserves from me. And then she can then in turn act and respond in ways that lack the love and the respect that I need from her. And then I go back and then she goes back and it starts this crazy back and forth cycle that so many couples get stuck in. It's kind of like what we heard about in the video. Uh, the, how the, you know, when the little things, they become such big things like putting the pizza wrong in the oven, that's so relatable. 
This is what happens in marriage. This back and forth crazy cycle, it either continues to escalate until it, it becomes toxic or couples just learn to shut down altogether and start acting like roommates. And by the way, it, it's my opinion that no marriage blows up suddenly. It's my opinion that uh, even if there's a major act of infidelity or betrayal, that uh, it's always on the heels of thousands of these back and forth, crazy cycle, little frustrating acts that are performed against each other. And one of the things that makes this back and forth cycle even worse is what I call the so that. So you got to watch out for these. Here's what I mean. Have you ever thought something like this? Even though it's not my turn, uh, I am going to cook and I'm going to do the dishes so that maybe she'll dot, 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 play board games or whatever. Or, you know, I'm going to pick up my kids from school and I'm going to take them to practice so that maybe he'll dot, dot, dot. I don't know. Fill in the blank with your own thing. Buy that thing. Go on that trip. I, I don't know. But listen, the point is this, those so that's, they're insidious. But if you're honest, they're there. You're not above them and underneath the surface, even our best actions aren't purely other focused. They're often motivated by these so that's. I'll do this so that you do that. It's just the way the world operates on contracts like these and so it's what we naturally expect from marriage. But what happens when those so that's don't happen as often as you'd like? I'll tell you, this is when a very dangerous thought begins to be sowed in our minds, a destructive thought, a lie. This is when we begin to think things like, I think I deserve more than this. I got to do what makes me happy, right? Well, you might deserve more from your spouse, but I promise you, you're not going to get it in the way that you're thinking. And I, I don't want you to accept the lie that this is the best your marriage will ever get. I'm here to tell you, your marriage was made for more. Your marriage was made for more. Today, what I hope to help you guys do is to take a step into this made for more type of marriage. And to do this, we're going to have to learn to think differently. Uh, I'm going to try to help us to learn to think biblically about what's going on underneath the surface in our hearts and marriage. And uh, I I promise this is going to end with hope, but I have to begin by presenting to you what the underlying major cause, the major problem of every single marriage is. Do you know what it is? Can you guess? And you're like, yeah, I'm sitting right next to them, Dave. (laughs) Uh, No, that's not it. See, listen, I have met with literally hundreds of struggling couples, and I'm here to tell you that their underlying issue is always the same thing. Sure, it might look different on the outside. There might be some different circumstances. You guys, uh, you've shared some pretty crazy things with me with your marriage problems in my office. I've heard some strange things. There's been times I've been meeting with couples, and I'm like, well, I... I legitimately didn't even know that sin existed. Like that's, that's kind of creative. It's almost impressive. But listen, after hundreds of these conversations, I'm here to tell you that the root problem is always the same every single time. Can you guess it? The root cause of every struggle in every marriage is selfishness. I heard a few of you say it. Well done. We're selfish. We love ourselves. And if you're like, David, it can't be that simple. That's what I thought. But actually, the Bible teaches us this is true. This is what the Apostle Paul, ta- uh, uh, Paul tells his friend uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says this, there's going to come times of difficulty, like times like right now, times like in marriage. And he gives us the cause. He gives us the reason for people will be lovers of self. 
allow the truth of this verse to hit you. These are the kind of things that you have to start thinking about differently in order to experience a made-for-more type of marriage. See, the first one is this. Your spouse is not the greatest enemy in your marriage. Fixing your spouse is not going to solve your marriage problems. It's not going to get you unstuck from a rut either. And you're like, Dave, you don't know my spouse. They're a mess. Well, that might be true, but they are not the biggest problem. And you can't fix them anyway. And they are not the enemy. Well, what about culture? I mean, we blame culture for everything. It's got to be culture's fault. That's what's driving marriages crazy. No, no. It's not culture's fault either. Listen, culture is not helping. It's not. But it's not the root cause of the problems in your marriage. The main problem in your marriage is that you love yourself. And you know what that means? It means if you're sitting here today and you're married, you don't have marriage problems. It means what you have is a heart problem. And I know this because I'm afflicted with the same heart problem as you. And this is true, by the way, even if you're not married. Your biggest problem is you love yourself and you're selfish. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, whether you're married or not, whether you're here or whether you're watching online or at one of our campuses, what I want you to do is turn to the person next to you and just say, I am the problem. Go. Yeah, yes, it's true. You could giggle a little bit, but it, it feels good to actually admit that, right? See, it's taken me a long time to be able to admit this, but I am the biggest problem in my marriage. And I'm always right. I, I just, I tried to say it with a straight face. I, I knew I could, but I tried. But I am, I'm the biggest problem in my marriage. And, and see, thinking your spouse is the biggest problem in your marriage is exactly why so many marriages stay stuck in a rut. Because everyone hopes that their marriage will change for the better, but few are willing to change themselves. This is where God's word can help. God's word helps us to think differently. It's so convicting. It's so encouraging. And this is why you need to take our re-engage class because we spend a lot of time looking at what God's word has to say and how it applies to us. How, it talks about how the selfishness that goes on underneath our hearts, this insidious nature, and how we can apply that, how we can learn from that in our marriages. And Jesus, he picks up on this idea of this insidious, under-the-surface selfishness in Matthew chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll hang out there just for a little bit. Or you can follow along in our app and take notes as you're following along there. But uh, in Matthew 6, I've just been thinking about this passage for a long time recently. And uh, it's not one of the go-to passages of marriage that you normally hear, but I think it's so applicable. Throughout the entire chapter, Jesus is telling us, he's warning us against seeking and building the wrong kingdom. He's warning us that underneath all of our good actions, we have these selfish motives underneath. For example, he talks about giving to the poor, but then bragging about it. He, he talks about praying these fancy prayers in order to uh, lie and think that you're more spiritual than you are. He talks about uh, making a big spectacle about fasting in order to impress the people around you. And all of that, all these things are just like the so that's in marriage. We do these nice things so that our spouse might do something, but it's always about me. It's always about us. And then Jesus warns us against seeking the wrong kingdom, seeking our own kingdom and trying to fill it with treasures for ourselves. And then he gives us this amazing, this paradigm shifting, and I believe this marriage changing command in verse 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Whose kingdom are you building? 
Whose kingdom are you seeking first right now in marriage? Well, I want to paint a picture for you that I think will help. Um, I'm going to put this crown on. See, the normal way that most of us go through life is by trying to be the king or queen in these little kingdoms of me. Now, my me kingdom is this tiny little kingdom, but I love it. I nurture it. I protect it. I have these grand visions of what it might be one day. And I like hanging out with people that are helping me build my me kingdom. And I try to avoid anyone who won't help me build my me kingdom. But the problem in marriage is that both husband and wife are both wearing their crown and they're both trying to build their own me kingdom. And by the way, this didn't start the moment that you got married. This has been true ever since we were born. We have all been trying to build our me kingdom. It's just that in marriage, this gets exposed. In marriage, there's nowhere where you can hide your crown from each other. Again, it's so insidious, but it's there right from the beginning of your relationship, even as you're dating. Here's what it looks like. So picture a young guy, he's got his crown on and he sees this young girl with her crown on. They may not even know it. Young guy, he's not that smart. He's not that deep. He thinks something like, wow, I like looking at her. Looking at her makes me feel good. You know where she would look really good? In my me kingdom. At least that's the clean version of his thoughts anyway. And so the, the girl, she thinks something similar. She's like, oh, check him out. I, I really like his confidence. That confidence makes me feel secure. Oh, and he's funny too. Every time he makes me laugh, I just worry a little less. He would go great in my me kingdom. And so they start dating each other. And maybe, um, maybe this couple moves along in this relationship. And by the way, these are like the cutest couples ever. If you're one of those couples, you guys are my favorite. But if you know them, you know these couples are completely lost in this blissful delirium of their me kingdom. They just are. You need to know that. Let's say this couple decides to get married. And now you have a husband and wife both wearing the crown, both trying to build their me kingdom. And the crazy thing that I want you to know is this might actually work. It might actually work at least for a while. But see, what me kingdom marriages don't know is that their marriages are so fragile. What me kingdom marriages don't know is that their marriage is already in danger of collapse. See, everything needs to go right for a me kingdom marriage to thrive long-term. Every and any little bump in the road can become a serious threat. And the problem is that my me kingdom is incompatible with my spouse's me kingdom. In fact, so is yours. In fact, your me kingdom is incompatible, incompatible with every single kingdom on this planet. And it's incompatible with God's as well. And when my king, me kingdom is threatened, I'm telling you, things turn pretty ugly pretty quick. Think of the last time you were frustrated with your spouse. My guess is you were frustrated because your me kingdom was threatened and we, we act so shocked. We're like, oh, I can't believe you watched that episode without me. Like, oh, I can't believe that. Did you not notice I have the crown on, honey? Yeah, we're so shocked. And when this happens over and over, I'm telling you, this is a sad thing, but this is when spouses start to spend more time apart from each other. This is when spouses tend to spend more time at work where they feel respected. This is where spouses tend to spend more time on social media where they feel liked or where they feel validated. This is where spouses tend to spend more time at the gym where maybe they're getting more attention than their spouse is giving them. See, these other environments, they start building their me kingdom better than their marriage can. And so this slow leak continues. 
to every married person listening today here at all of our campuses online, you have to ask yourself, you have the responsibility to ask yourself, is this true of me? And if you're really brave, ask your spouse, is my selfishness a problem? I know you guys are thinking like, is he going to wear that crown the whole time? Um, I'm going to take it off now. (laughs) Uh, Husbands and wives, please listen to me. Love of self in your me kingdom, it promises so much, but it never delivers. What love of self gives you, where it leads you, is to bitterness, to resentment, to frustration, to disappointment. And if we believe the Bible, it leads to bondage and and even death. And so my question is, have you reached that point in marriage? Are you stuck in a rut? Have you made it to the end of yourself? Does your marriage itself need a resurrection? Well, if that's you today, I want to tell you something really crazy, but that's a good place to be. That's good news because it's only when we realize the futility and the hopelessness of building our me kingdom and wearing our crown that we're willing to reach out for something better. You see, it's God's grace. It's his grace that our selfishness leads us over and over and over to disappointment and frustration. Imagine what would happen if he didn't. We would just keep on in our selfishness. We would keep on in our marriage ruts. We would keep on living like roommates and keep on accepting a lesser version of marriage than you were made to experience. So if you're having those feelings today of how in the world did we get here? Well, I want you to tell you God stands behind it all and he's in control and there's hope. I've seen hundreds of marriages on the brink restored. I've seen a couple marriages actually go over the brink into divorce and then be restored again. You wanna know how they did it? Well, first they recognize that their spouse is not the greatest problem of their marriage and they can no longer depend on them or expect them to be the solution either. Their spouse makes a really terrible savior. So they looked upward first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And see, when we look up, we see a beautiful example of what seeking someone else's kingdom looks like. It's what Jesus did for us. And I'm telling you, the way Jesus loves us is so different. Do you guys know him? I mean, Jesus showed us what made for more love looks like. For starters, his his crown is not illegitimate. It's not fake. Um, By the way, when I, (laughs) quick story, when I went to get this crown, uh, I got it from Burger King and um, I, I got, I waited in line like a gentleman. And then I got up and the lady said, well, what would you like? And I, I just stood there and I said, I want a crown. <laughs> and, and then she handed me a crown. I didn't buy anything. I just walked out with my crown. It just seemed appropriate for this metaphor. But anyway, Jesus is not like that. See, Jesus' kingdom is unlike anything this world has ever seen. His kingdom is amazing. He lacks nothing. He's the creator and author of this entire universe. And if you're hanging out with Jesus and you're wearing your crown, you wouldn't say things like, hey, Jesus, yo, I've got the crown on today. I think it's your turn to take out the recycling, don't you think? We wouldn't say that. We wouldn't try to take the crown off of Jesus' head and put it on our own head and try to masquerade around as if we're God, would we? But see, that's exactly what each of us is guilty of doing. 
every one of us has rejected God's kingdom and every one of us is parading around as if we are king or we are queen. We all want control. Single people, you may not be aware of it, but when you get married, you can't hide from this. Your me kingdom is gonna constantly be smashing up into your spouse's me kingdom. You're gonna make these incredible messes, but Jesus, he's so different. He models the way for us. Look at what scripture says. He says, though he was the form of God, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. In other words, he laid down his crown. And by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men, by being found in human form, what a scandalous thing that is. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus modeled the way for us. At any point, he could have pointed to his crown and stopped it. This wasn't fair for him. Jesus didn't make this mess. We did but we were incapable of doing anything about our selfish heart problems. So we had to do something. Consider this, you guys. Jesus never once was selfish, not once. Everything that he did was for the Father's kingdom. Everything that he did was for others. It was for you and it was for me. And he died this horrific death that we deserved. But that's not our hope. Our hope is this, that Jesus didn't stay dead, that he's alive. And when he rose again, he proved that he is the son of God. He proved that he is the victorious king of kings and he can breathe life into death and he can breathe life into a marriage that feels like it's dying. And the only so that in Jesus' death and resurrection is so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made new, so that we could be with God again, so that we could trade our me kingdom for his, so that we could have freedom from bondage freedom from all the chains, freedom from shame and from guilt so that our marriages themselves would begin to tell his love story to the world around us so that we could move from death into life. Paul says in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. That's the vision of love that God wants for us. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't have to be perfect to reflect this kind of love. You don't have to be perfect to reflect Jesus' love and marriage. In fact, it has a lot more to do with when you're not perfect. See, it has a lot more to do with choosing to love your spouse and choosing to forgive your spouse, even when they don't deserve it, because that's the way Jesus loved us first. This is all about dependency. See, when we seek God's kingdom first, we no longer have to depend on our spouse. We no longer have to depend on all the so that's that we hope to get from them. We no longer have to depend on them to go first and saying, I'm sorry. See, Jesus already went first and we get to love our spouse as a response to the way he loved us completely and unconditionally. We have to depend on him. When my wife, Cindy, and I got married, uh, we, we unofficially declared 1 John 4.19 to be our marriage verse. It's a beautiful verse. It's a short one. You guys can memorize it. It's great. It says this, we love because he first loved us. You see, in other words, I want to love Cindy as a response to the way that Jesus loved me first. I want to love Cindy in the same way that Jesus loved me first. And I'm telling you, this is a game changer. I want to show you guys a picture. See, I I get an up-close look at a real-life example of this. Uh, This is my mom and my dad, uh, Jim and Kathy Lanuti. Um, This photo was taken from their 50th wedding anniversary, and, and I just want to save you the suspense. They're not perfect by any stretch, but this is a couple that has learned to lay down their crowns for each other. You see my dad is in his wheelchair there. Uh, He has a genetic disease that's slowly taking his life. 
We don't know how long he has, but I'll tell you, it's not as long as we would like. He's already not the man that he once was. This disease is impacting him physically. It's impacting him mentally. It's impacting him emotionally. Loving him and taking care of him, especially uh, for my mom, it's getting it more and more difficult. It's requiring more and more energy. Uh, in some ways, it's actually becoming dangerous because my dad falls a lot and uh, he, he struggles to eat his food. He can't swallow as well as he used to. Everything is, is a danger. And around the clock, every single day, my mom is pouring herself out for him, making sure that he's comfortable, making sure that he's well fed, that his food is cut up in little pieces, that he's, he's clean, that he's shaven, that his teeth are brushed, everything. She tells him jokes to get him to laugh and she even flirts with him from time to time. I'm telling you, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch, but for my mom, we know it's exhausting. We know she's exhausted from pouring herself out. So as her kids, we try to help out. We try to offer help. We try to bring food. We try to watch my dad from time to time, but it's never enough. She, see, she stubbornly loves my dad. I love that. Recently, I, I suggested that we get some more professional help uh, for my mom here in, uh, in the home for my dad. And uh, she stubbornly and beautifully responded. She said, no. She said, no, I'm gonna love him. I'm gonna take care of him because I'm his wife and it's what I vowed to do. You see, there's no selfish so that in this scenario for my mom and my dad. She loves them and she serves them simply because that's what she promised she would do when she said for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do us part. See, she's laid down her crown long ago to love my dad. Now here's the part of the story I really want you not to miss. I want you to just look at my dad right there, look at him and consider his part of this story. Consider his part of this relationship, the one receiving all this love and not being able to reciprocate in the same way. He can't drive, so he, he can't go to the store and buy her a, a new, new golden necklace. He can't buy her diamond earrings. He can't take her on her dream vacation. He's limited in how he can respond. He's limited in what he can offer back, but he loves her. The other day, uh, so sweet, my dad, he said he wanted to write a love letter to my mom. And uh, so sweet. I asked him if, if he wanted to dictate to me because using a pencil is hard for him and typing is such a challenge. He has to concentrate to hit every single uh, key in just the right way. And he said, no, he didn't want my help. He wanted her to know how hard she worked on it. And so I pushed his wheelchair up to a table. I set up an iPad with a, a little keyboard attachment. I showed him how to use it. He said he wanted to be left alone. I said, all right. And for about an hour, he was working on this thing, concentrating key after key. And I kept checking in on with him, asking, hey, do you, need, uh, do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need a drink, Dad? Are you okay? He said, I'm fine. And one of these times, uh, I checked in with him. And he had this big smile on his face. I said, what is it, Dad? And he said, Dave, I'm going to make this a really sexy letter. <laughs> it was so beautiful. I've never been more proud of my dad. <laughs> um, sadly, I never got to see the finished product of what he was able to come up with. Uh, over an hour passed and I, I had to leave. And so I, I walked back in to tell him goodbye. And 
I, I did get to peek over his shoulder, though. I got to see what he had written. After over an hour, there were two lines. It said, Dear Kathy, I love you. And it was perfect, you guys. Comma, right where the comma should be. Period, right where the period should be. Capital letters, perfect. And he smiled at me and he said, Dave, I think she's going to like it. I said, yeah, Dad, I think you're right. You see, I can't help but think this is just like us and Jesus. We're just like my dad. He makes all kinds of messes. He can't help it. He spills things. He breaks things. He has little to offer in return, but he loves my mom. And even though he can't possibly repay her for the love she shows him, she loves him back and she has laid down her crown because that's what she promised to do. This is the type of love that God wants from us. This is the type of love God wants for every relationship that we have. This made for more marriage. So couples, if you're here and you've made it to the end of yourself today, maybe you're here and you say, you know what, we're just doing okay, but we, we do feel that slow leak, Dave. Maybe you got an argument this morning and, and you've been fighting and kind of faking it ever since, or, or maybe you're here and, and it feels like you've heard all this before, but your marriage is still struggling. I want you to know that it's time. It's time. It's time. A made-for-more marriage begins when you lay down your crown and you seek his kingdom first. And by the way, you're going to need help. Just like Heather taught us last week about parenting, we can't do this alone. You're going to need accountability. You're going to need encouragement. And yes, there's so much more that I need to tell you. Uh, I had like 12 action steps when I originally wrote this thing, and I don't have time to share them all, but they were really good, you guys. You should hear them sometime. And that's why you need to take Reengage. You can get all the action steps you need from that class. It'll change your marriage, I'm telling you. If you want all the action steps, take Reengage. But today I'm just going to give you one practical next step about how you can lay down your crown. You can't fix everything about your marriage today but you can change the direction you're heading in marriage right now. Don't give up. You have hope. I want to challenge you guys to adopt a habit that my wife Cindy and I, we, we have been doing for the last several months. See, every day before we go to work, I take Cindy by the hands and we say a quick, simple, but dependent prayer. We always pray, God, help us. We can't do this on our own. Sooner or later, we're going to be selfish. Help us to lay down our crowns for you. And if you're thinking, Dave, if I just pray one prayer, is my marriage going to be better? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that uh, this is a daily submission kind of thing. This is a daily dependence. This is a daily decision to lay down your crown every day and to turn to God to seek him first and ask for his help. And I'm telling you, when you do this, when you allow God to work through you from the inside out, that's when your marriage is going to start to tell the love story that God has for you to the world around you. So husbands, when was the last time you took your wife by the hands and prayed with her? I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I want you to know she's not going to care if it doesn't sound all spiritual and beautiful. If it sounds dumb, she's not going to care. Think about the letter that my dad wrote to my mom. I guarantee you my mom loved every single word of it. And I guarantee you, God would love to hear from you as well. Would you bow your heads with me? 
For some of you here today, you can't expect to love like Jesus in your marriage if you haven't yet accepted him. And the Bible teaches that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that he raised us from the dead, then we will be saved. I just want to ask you, do you believe that's true? Do you believe that? Have you ever confessed that that's true? Are you tired of wearing your crown? Are you ready to lay it down for the first time and accept his offer of grace? If that's you, I, I want to encourage you to just pray along silently with me as I pray this prayer. Father, I confess that I am selfish. I confess I'm in need. I, I, I don't need a little help. I need a savior. And I believe you sent your son to live the perfect life that I couldn't live and to die a death that I deserve. But God, I believe your son didn't stay dead, that he rose again. So God, I believe that. And today is the day that I finally take off my crown and I lay it down for you. Now, married couples in the room, if your spouse is with you, go ahead and grab their hand right now. If you're not already, if you're single, don't hold hands with the person next to you. That's kind of weird. Um, Let's just pray together as I close. Father, we confess all of us, whether we're single, whether we're dating, engaged, married, widowed, all of us, God, we all fall short of holding up our end of the bargain with you. We are all selfish, God. Would you help us to lay down our crown for you? Thank you for loving us first so that we could love each other as a response. May our lives and in our relationships, all of them, God, may they be a reflection of your love for us because we were made for more. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.